Good morning. If y'all want to join me for the New Testament scripture, it'll be on your Pew Bible, page 78 in the New Testament. And our scripture starts with Luke 14, verse 25. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned to them and said, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000, to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we do have that scripture passage written, the page number in the bulletin. You really want to turn to there. This is going to be more, more or less a teaching sermon today. And we'll take a look at it, but uh, I want you to notice something with it. Who, uh, do you have your Bibles open? What page was it again? 78, okay, in the New Testament portion of it, page 78. Um, and do keep this open today. But if you look at verse 28, do you see that right there? See, it, it just kind of, there's like a, this weird divide in the whole passage, he starts talking about a tower and a king. And before that, he's talking, he says that weird thing, you know, whoever comes to me and does not hate father or mother. mother. Do, you, do you see the divide? Just pop your finger right there. And it's, there's this, this kind of weird division right there in topic. That's what we're going to address today, that, that odd division. So I just wanted to set you up just in case you're like, where is he going with this? I'll tell you where we're going when we get there. <laughs> but right there, that's, that's we're going to um, address the, um, the, the, to the right of your finger, and then we'll address to the left of it, okay? And I think you'll be really fascinated to um, see what, how the scripture just kind of opens up here. And again, by the end of the sermon, you're going to be like, oh, that is so cool. At least I hope, hope you think that. But again, you're going to be looking at this with new eyes, all right? But this comes with a premise. And the premise here that we're all very familiar with, if you know this particular section of Scripture, is that we are to assess things in order to accomplish things. And typically, pastors or sermons will be addressed with that, um, typically during times of giving in the church and stewardship, and they look to this, um, this, this um, passage right here, all right? And the whole premise is basically, if you assess and you have enough, fine, move forward with the plan. That's pretty much what Jesus is saying here. It, it's not very confusing, Okay? Um, and if you assess and you don't have enough, either of two things will have happen. Either you'll, you must find ways to obtain enough, whether it's money or materials, okay? Uh, in the case of the tower, it's materials. We don't have enough materials to make the tower. We're, if we start building this tower, we're going to look foolish and we, we won't be able to finish it. Do you see? You assess it 
And if you don't ha have enough, you have to find either ways of getting that material or basically abandoning the project altogether. And that, it really does make sense. It's, I don't think you have to be a genius to figure this one out here, okay? Um, and unfortunately, during the assessment stage is where many people get into problems, especially with our day and age with credit cards, right? We don't have enough. I got an idea. They're having a six-month plan. We can, we can do that, and we can just pay it off. Yet, actually, some of us have the discipline to do that. Some of us don't, but you see, we don't have the materials, we get a credit card, we, we, then we pay it off. Now we, we have enough materials. Does that make sense? You assess in order to make something happen, okay? And examples of what this looks like in um, everyday life, because you, believe it or not, you assess things every day in your life. Um, like you go to the, the a grocery market and you wanna buy something, right? Um, and you like, and you have a certain amount of money, you have a budget, I want to buy this, this milk here that now costs like $9 million, okay? I'm not gonna get into that, I just had to get that in there. Um, inflation, but whatever. Um, but if you don't have enough, you don't buy it, okay? Or you get the cheaper brand, you get what you can, can get, all right? Um, and that's pretty simple. It gets bigger in, in life here. What about buying something like a television or furniture or a car? See, it's a bigger investment. So you assess, you're like, I, I can afford this, I'm going to buy it, okay? Or there's car payments I can make throughout several years. You getting the point here? Then we get bigger than that. How about funding and education? That's a, that's a pretty big investment right there because that's an investment in life. And if you have enough, fine, go for it. If you don't have enough, well, then you gotta work things out, all right? And the ever so famous one, um, with this passage I already mentioned is with church planning, all right? We want to do these things. We need to raise money and all that stuff. Very, very important. So we looked at passages and said, well, Jesus says, you know, if you want to build a tower, you got to assess. So we assess it. Let's have another meeting. I love meetings, okay? And then we have another meeting and we move forward with it, okay? <laughs> so you got that one right there. But listen, all these examples that I just gave you, does it make sense? Raise your hand if it makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty simple, right? Well, you know, uh, you're probably not surprised by this, what I'm going to do. I'm going to just tell you that's not what Jesus is getting at in, the, in this passage, which is a very strange thing to hear because it's very straightforward, right? I mean, you can't really have it any other way. But I'll tell you what, Jesus' aim is not to give practical advice here. He wants to give theological advice. All right? Something about God, something about himself. That's what he's trying to get at here. And I, I know that you're probably hearing that right now going, that's a little confusing. What are you getting at, Pastor Kendall? Well, we're going to clear this up. All right? Because unfortunately, many Christians have looked at this passage, and we've grown up around this passage, and we thought that, well, Jesus says we must assess things. It's the, one of the few things that he's straightforward on. So let's just do that. And this is a very basic understanding of what's going on here. But again, I want to stress that Jesus is not trying to just give practical advice here. And one of the reasons that many miss Jesus' point here is because the things that Jesus says that lead up to this passage seem really disconnected from it. That's where I had you put your finger, right? What, what verse was that? 20, 28. 
And if you read what's before it, which we're going to do together, and you read what's after it, it's really disjointed. It seems like there's no continuity, but there is. There is. So let me read what, he, what Jesus says to his disciples or the, the crowd that was listening to him up to this, okay? And then I'm going to go right into that division, and you're going to, it's just going to be very strange to you. But I promise you, I'm going to clear it up, okay? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he is not able to be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me is not able to be my disciple. For which one of you desires to build a tower does not first sit down and figure out the cost? Do you see the, the weird disconnect that's going on there? And you're kind of like, you know what? Perhaps the person who did the chapters and the verse numbers got it all wrong here and there should be a div division there. Because it does look like that. And it's almost as if Jesus was addressing two totally separate things here, right? Okay, so let me, let me read that going in again. You're going to see the division. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me is not able to be my disciple. For which one of you desires to build a tower does not first sit down and figure out the cost to see whether you have enough to complete it. Otherwise, if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, all who see it will mock you, saying this person began to build and was not able to finish. And then he goes on to make the same point with the king going to war. Very, very strange, okay? Now the temptation is to separate the two. And when you separate the two, um, you have discipleship following Jesus on one side and practical planning on another, right? All right, over here, over here we can follow Jesus, we know what that looked like. We pick up our cross. We deny everything. We follow Jesus. Over here, we have the practical advice of Jesus that we love so much. Okay? However, when we do this, we miss the primary message. And Jesus here, and here's what he was saying. Remember, this is about assessing something, right? Do we have enough to build? Do we have enough to accomplish what is over here? And then we have Jesus saying this over here right after he says discipleship, right? Here's what Jesus is saying. Assess me. Let that sink in. Assess me. Is Jesus enough? Jesus is saying, do I have what it takes to be enough for you? Assess me. Like you assess the tower. Like a, a king assesses if he has enough soldiers to go to war. You want to assess me like that. When you add it all up, all that you have heard about Jesus, all that the scripture testifies about Jesus, is he enough? All the miracles that you, re you read about, all that you've heard, all the lives that you see affected by Jesus Christ, assess that. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough to deliver you from your sins? Is Jesus enough to reconcile you back to God, the creator? Is Jesus enough to redeem you from the power of death? Is Jesus righteous enough to fulfill all the promises of the scriptures? That's what he is getting at right here. Just as you assess the tower and the king, assess me. I can handle it. Jesus can handle the assessment. 
And simply put, here's, here's um, the, the question that Jesus is asking, the scripture is asking it. Who do you say Jesus is? That's what it really boils down to. Who do you personally say who Jesus is? Listen, I know who I say Jesus is. That matters greatly to me, okay, because of who he is. Who do you say Jesus is? Don't you ever let me tell you who Jesus is. You need to figure that out for yourself because that's what matters. Ultimately, when you stand before Jesus, God, creator of the universe, he's not going to say, did Pastor Kendall tell you what to believe? No, he's going to say, who do you say that I am right now? Not who someone else thinks. It's all you. No pressure. Now listen, some people have assessed Jesus and are still wrestling whether he is who, who the scriptures claim. They, that's, that's okay, all right? You read it and you're like, wow, this is crazy stuff. It is crazy stuff. It's a weird, weird world, okay? It, you know, miracles and healings and all that. It's a very strange place. That's okay. Keep wrestling with it. I'm going to be wrestling with it for the rest of my life. I encourage you to do the same. It's that important. And here's the other thing. Others have assessed Jesus and have abandoned the search altogether. They, they're, they're, they're free of that search. They've read the scriptures. They've examined it. And, they're, and they're, they've taken serious consideration of it. And I've been to school and you know, with these people. I, I'm a theology major, and so you can imagine the edge that we drive ourselves to half the time. You get a taste of that during the sermons. And, we, and, we, uh, and some people have read the scriptures, and they've determined that Jesus is not enough. Jesus is not the Savior. And as Christians, we take offense to that. But listen to this. At least they're doing it responsibly. At least they're rejecting God responsibly because they've looked at the scriptures, okay? That's not something I can say for most Christians. I know that sounds really harsh. It isn't. Most people rely on what they, the understanding that they grew up with, those stories. But to me, the stories that we grew up with need to grow with us as we grow up. You can't get to a certain understanding of the scripture and, and just be later on like rely on that childlike understanding. Does that make sense? I know that Jesus says have faith like a child, but what does a child do? A child asks, a child examines, a child doubts in order to believe. So when Jesus is saying be like a child, he's saying test me, ask me a question. Why? Because most adults don't take it far enough to ask the question. They just say, yeah, well, that's what I've always been told. Think about that for a second. That's not what I studied in Scripture and learned in Scripture. No, the answer is always, that's what I've always been taught by someone else. That person, I am grateful for that taught you that stuff, okay? But you need to take the responsibility and start owning this stuff for yourself. If it's that important to stand in front of the God, the creator of the universe, and risk your entire being on it, then I think it's important enough to investigate Okay, and I admire those who ask questions. I really do. So I want to encourage you in that. Okay, so listen. Others have read the scriptures, and they have. They just said Jesus isn't enough. Like again, at least they've done it responsibly. Don't ever let anyone reject Jesus Christ irresponsibly. In other words, without all the answers, without all the evidence. Okay, all right. But check this out. Here's the point. Here, if Jesus is in fact your Lord and Savior, if you've assessed Jesus. Like, you know, you assess other things in life and you say, yes, he has enough 
what it takes. He is my Lord and Savior. This is the point. Your life must be arranged in such a manner that he comes first. If you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, that he, he must come first. And all of your decisions now must be based upon the eternity that Jesus has invited you into. That's not me. That's what this scripture passage is saying today. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. To me, that sounds like Jesus first and everyone else after that. And you love Jesus first so that you can love the people around you. All right? Okay, so that's really important. So what I want to do right now, we're talking about eternity here, right? Things of eternity, am I right? And assessing Jesus in order to determine something else. Chris, I need your help. I, I already walked over with Chris on this. Um, I, I rarely ever do um, illustrations, but I think this one's really going to drive it home for you, okay? And this is going to clear up this scripture passage, and it's going to give weight to your, um, to what you believe in your belief system, okay? But this um, illustration, here you go, Chris, have a rope. Go for a walk. Um, but I'm going to need some extra here. Good. That's, that's enough for me. Um, this illustration is from a, a wonderful pastor, a preacher um, named Francis Chan. Anyone ever hear Francis Chan? Wonderful Christian, okay? And he, in, fact, in fact, he's one of those Christians that um, a lot of people are like, heretic, because he thinks. He asks questions and stuff like that. I love that. You having a little difficulty there? Okay. I'm going to wait. That's fine. That's fine. Will that represents your, your um, walk with God, Chris. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, cool. Well, here's what this represents as Chris is just like kind of going with this. This represents eternity. This entire rope, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Okay? That is a long time. Would you say that's forever? Okay, and it just stretches outside the church and it goes into the world. All right, and that's really important. But I want, I want you to look at this. That's good, Chris. Okay, because I want you to see what's going on here with this. All right, what do you, you don't have to go. Okay, bye, Chris. <laughs> all right, so we already, this represents eternity, right? See this red part right here? That represents your life now. Okay, do you see all this in comparison to the rope? This is where you were born, and this is where your, your life represents right now. This very small portion at the beginning of the rope is your life right now. And based on the scriptures, Christians have all this to look forward to, all this rope, and it is a good thing, right? But then people who deny God and say, I don't want any of this, okay, guess what? They have all this to look forward to, but it's not the same outcome as what you have to look forward to. And you believe that, right? Okay? So that's the unfortunate thing right there. And here's the, main po the point here. What you decide here through your assessment of who Jesus Christ is, or if he is the Christ to you, that determines everything on this side of the rope. Okay? And in this case, it's extremely costly. Do you see what this portion of scripture is saying now it's costly and here's my concern 
And this goes for both Christians and non-Christians. That many Christians are living their lives as if only this small portion of the rope matters. This is where all your investment is going, right here. And, you know, we're aware of eternity. We're aware of all this, okay? But our eyes are only on this portion right here. And when your focus is solely on this portion right here, the fu- a funny thing happens, okay? If you want to, you know, if you, the thing is, all, all, everything here is materialistic. You live for things in this world, and guess what? They're going to rot because those things don't make it on this side of the road. Some people are living their whole lives, okay? They're living, they're living right here, and they're saving up for this portion right here. And that's where they're putting everything. And a lot of people don't get to even enjoy that. They work for this portion of life that's called retirement, okay? And that's it for them. And they know about all this stuff here, but their focus is right here. If you want to know what insanity and you know, disillusionment is, that's insanity right there. When you know about all this stuff over here and you put everything into this right here. Assess Jesus. Does he have what it takes to you know, bring you into this all this portion over here that's so important? Because treasure on this side, I will tell you, will rust. God can use the treasure on this side. But if all of your blessings are on this side of the rope, your eternity might look a little different. Your blessings are on the wrong side. So you want to really focus over here. Store up treasure in heaven. And that's so important. Because who you say Jesus is now, here, determines how you will spend the rest of eternity over here. Your decisions now should be based on an eternal timeline and not a temporal timeline. You get this? So back to this passage. Jesus is not giving practical advice on how to build a tower or how a king should go to war. Jesus is asking you to assess him in order to see if he has what it takes to fulfill all the promises of Scripture, all the promises, eternal promises. If he does, then let your life, your, your life must be arranged in such a manner that Jesus comes first. And all of your decisions and actions now must be based upon the eternity that Jesus has invited you into. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, amen.